With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amanda Hayes is the president of AKH Financial at 1144A Pelican Bay Drive in Daytona Beach. Call 386-846-0658. Securities and investment services are offered through Sage Point Financial, a member of FINRA SIPC. AKH Financial and Sage Point are independently operated. She joins us live today on WNDB. So what happened today? You're not going to address that I'm not wearing all black today? Yeah, I, 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 what, I didn't know if you were going to be offended by that. This is, <laughs> th- what, what is that design? It's, it's, it's come back. That design, whoa! Who's that on the back? Is that you? No. The- <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, I know, but very nice. It's just a color, colorful, decorative shirt. You're, I figure I, always, I do always wear yes. black when I come in here, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to make sure I... Uh, Bring some color to uh, the yeah. premiere show. I was starting to get a complex. I was starting to think, she, is this like calling hours? She's always in the black. So anyway, how'd the market do today? You know what? Before we start, um, it's it's an important day today. Today's my fiance's birthday. So Ooh. I'm going to wish him a happy birthday because I know he's listening. Okay. And I was going to get him one of Hunter Biden's paintings. <laughs> Um, or maybe your ride on like Elon Musk's dragon capsule next month, but they were they were like uh, just slightly out of my price range. <laughs> I think you got to be from another country to get uh, Hunter's artwork too. So what's his name? I Sorry, don't honey. His name is Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. So happy birthday, Andrew. Happy birthday, Andrew. Great All name right. too. Yeah. You call him Andrew or Andy? I call him Andy. Well, I mean, I call him like. You know, yeah, yeah. little pet names and stuff. Yeah, sure. He loves it. Yeah. Okay. Andrew, good to have you with us. Yeah. So what happened? All right. So it's a very anxious market this week. Wall Street does this. They want to scare you out of stock so that they can take advantage of spreads and rebounds and options. And so if you were one of those investors on Monday that got freaked out from the over 900 point drop on the Dow and all you COVID, sold, was that all COVID related? Yeah, you've got a lot of hype and paranoia from the delta variant that's coming out also uh you know just people trying to sort out this inflation data so if you ended up selling on monday i'm really sorry for your loss <laughs> because the market bounced right back over the last three days and today we closed in the green right across the board so kind of a flat day of trading but this is just further evidence that you shouldn't get too caught up in single day market swings and try to have a more long term approach to, you know, your investments. Because, I mean, now if you're a day trader, if you're trying to be more tactical with it, the S&P has pulled back about three percent or more six times this year, but it's only stayed down for about three days max and then it's come right back up. So the, the technical view, if it can hold above forty two hundred. I think we could see close to 4,500 on the S&P by the end of the year. And if it crosses below 4,000, that's going to be something that we want to watch with a little more intensity. But all markets are governed by a degree of supply and demand. So you get too much supply and demand goes down and it's kind of economics 101. So hopefully uh, traders made 
good advantage uh, of the opportunity on Monday. Are these among the things, the key things to remember for investors when the markets drop like this? I mean, investors don't want to panic. That's definitely a key thing that they don't want to do. Um, Do most of your mature investors, they don't get emotional about stock and prices? Oh, I think everybody gets emotional. Really? (laughs) That is, you know, financial planning has a, a, a foundation of just mathematical equations. And I talked about this a couple of shows ago that people put their emotions on top of those things and it skews their ability to see, you know, through that noise. Um, so if you're if you're able to take the emotions out and do your best to use a quantitative approach like the one I just mentioned with the S&P, you know, I encourage people that do this on their own to remember some core investing principles. You know, first off, nobody has a corner on this market. I mean, of course, you're unless you're an Nancy Pelosi's husband, um, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, get diversified and get educated. You know, read the papers, read the uh, the economic news that comes out. You want to own different sectors and understand macro and microeconomics and understand cash flow, PE ratios, balance sheets. Why are you choosing a specific company over another? You also got to be patient. Markets fall on average 10% or more at least once a year. This This past few years, they've fallen more. You got to be committed. You got to have a plan, and you want to follow it. You've also got to be an opportunistic investor, and if possible, use the market volatility to build out your positions. And of course, if you don't want to do any of this, then call my office. Okay. You know, and we'll ha- happy to have a quick conversation with you to see if I can add value to your current situation. But this market is going to be volatile for a while. This economy remains in these early stages of the expansion, and having seemed to put the recovery in its rear view mirror, there's probably a, a decent amount of performance for the second half of the year, but stocks just don't go straight up forever. So I continue to harvest the volatility through covered call options writing along the way. And I just think, in my opinion, this doom and gloom inflationary fears are over-exaggerated. And despite the sell-off on Monday, I still remain cautiously bullish. Are there still new companies coming out and listing on the exchanges this year. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely there's new companies. Um, there's IPOs that are coming out every every single day. Yeah, you said last year they had, we had hundreds of IPOs and SPACs, is that SPACs, what they're called? SPACs, yeah, SPACs. Um, yeah, they're a really big thing to watch out for though is this IPO market right now. Last year there were over 500 IPOs and this year, we already have over 600 <laughs> that are out just year to date. So that's over a 400% increase from last year. We're so, talking about initial public offerings? Yep, initial public offerings. So Wall Street always finds and follows the money. And I've talked about this probably a few months ago that you know the IPO is a company looking for money and a SPAC is money looking for companies. So this week alone, there's like 19 coming out. And most of them are... <laughs> forgive me for a better word, garbage. And predominantly, they're just these investment bankers trying to hoard in the cash and get these deals and make money. So they're doing whatever to sell people anything and getting people hyped up. Most of them list and crash within a few days, but not all of them are duds, but a lot of them are. So you just need to be careful. Not to not to slow you up, but do IPOs have to go through the Securities and Exchange Commission? Yes. Okay. They'd be better off doing a GoFundMe page. <laughs> well, that's kind of how SPACs 
came to be is that the company the the people that had the money wanted to go find the companies and kind of you know package them all into a product so that it was a lot easier to get hundreds of companies through than just one single company through so it made it like this you know angel investing on steroids and with wall street money behind it so is it wall street that's to blame for these ipos or is it the government or the fed well, you know, Wall Street never lets chaos and stupidity go to waste. So, you know, politicians are trying to blame the Fed for raising prices and inflation. And then all the while, they're trying to push through a three and a half trillion dollar, you know, pork barrel of stimulus spending. And then on top of another one billion infrastructure approved, you know, agreement that that didn't pass at all yesterday when they tried to push it through. And it's just insane to keep refilling the coffers after after this economy has you know, move from a recovery phase to an expansion phase. So if we try to manage our economy on political priorities and vote through stimulus, you know, we're going to have a distasteful surprise. And even, you know, a, a bartender knows when, like, they can say enough is enough to a customer. And look at the jobless claims report today. Yeah, it why? Was, it, was a, it was higher than what they expected. So, I mean, these, they've got to keep changing their story. So we're never going to get a real picture to analyze with all of this printing and the distortions that are being created from quantitative easing and supply constraints. And we're just going to have to have some patience to watch for third and fourth quarter. And in the meantime, the stock market just keeps levitating up. Well, here's what I, I don't get. I saw that jobless number here and I'm thinking there's so many companies looking for people. Are these people just refusing to work for the given wage that these companies will offer so they're claiming unemployment? You know, I wish I knew the answer to that. It's definitely left up for discussion and interpretation until further data comes out. Mm. And it's a big game of don't look don't look here, look over there. So this levitation just keeps happening. Yeah, speaking of levitating, did you I couldn't wait for you to come in. Did you watch Jeff Bezos go into space Tuesday? Yeah, it's a good thing I didn't blink. I would have missed it. You know, <laughs> 11 it was, minutes. <laughs> it was a really interesting after show, too, with the stuff that he talked about. And uh, Can you believe this? The real story is that we hope to move industry into space. Yeah. Nothing, nothing creates a better, cleaner planet than to move all the junk into space. Well, I mean, we, we certainly can't move garbage into space. I mean, that is... For, for for the biggest reason is the cost. It wouldn't, you know, the benefits wouldn't outweigh the cost of getting the garbage into space. But when it comes to, you know, heavy manufacturing, manufacturing I mean, the microgravity is not great for humans, but it's really great for construction zones. <laughs> so, I mean, you think about what it takes to heat up products or cool down products. So I'm not saying that it's, you know, impossible, never going to happen, but they really are going to have to figure out, it would have to be a really expensive product that they would manufacture in space. Because think about what it would take to get it up there and then get it back down. I'm too worried about it coming back like a boomerang. Yeah, I would I would think, you know, I, I talked with this with a client the other day that a bigger concern is going to be like asteroids, you know, and that's something that you kind of... We just barely miss about. them now. I could just see them yeah. hitting a manufacturing car plant and all of a sudden <laughs> that comes down. Got a Toyota flying through your house. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll probably won't be I mean, around by listen, that time. Listen, I bet Toyota will uh, try to advertise in space since they're getting screwed out of the, the Olympics. So <laughs> you've <Oof>. got that. <laughs> um, what is the market size of the space industry right now? I had somebody tell me it was 4% of the economy. 
Um, I don't know that exact figure. I mean, it's in the billions today, and it could certainly be in the trillions 20 years from now. There's just a number of developments have increased in the economic capacity and the viability of the space economy. And, you know, the biggest is satellite broadband, which improves access to the Internet that otherwise we wouldn't have. So essentially you can turn on a continent and we're going to see that significant advancement in space as a domain for exploration and commerce and Internet and scientific study that can make the Earth, you know, something that potentially our children and grandchildren can inherit. And the only thing bigger than, you know, the universe uh, is a probably a politician's imagination. And well, that and the lawsuits against Johnson and Johnson, yeah. they got more suits than a men's warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> they just, they just Very good. They just recalled all their sunscreen you, last week. So. You can catch Amanda. She'll be at Vegas this week and do a two-show. Um, all these people it's are... Trying to make money funny. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, trying to sue over the powder and all of that stuff still? Oh, for sure. They have so many lawsuits against them. I mean, in an, in an act for them to try to get a level of PR you know, revival, they said that they were going to produce the vaccines at cost. But I mean, that's their production Please. on the vaccines is like two percent of their, you know, profits. So, did you see the story that the pharmaceutical companies are paying billions of dollars to fourteen states, of which Florida is going to get one point six billion because of what opioids? Oh, I don't know those figures, but they are getting paid from the government. Um, Moderna and Biotech and Pfizer, they're getting paid from different governments and countries to produce the vaccines. Here we go. Four states, four companies agree to pay $26 billion over a number of years for opioid-related services. States unveiled a $26 billion settlement with drug companies to resolve thousands of opioid crisis lawsuits, paving the way for communities across the country to secure a jolt of funding to address an epidemic in painkiller addiction that hasn't abated. Wow. Well, there you go. I mean, if, if they can get the funding, they can get the funding. I was talking to a client this morning who runs call centers all over the world, and right now his number one you know, case of people that are calling in are for credit repair. Probably gets 300 people a day that are calling in that need credit repair, and he thinks over the course of the next three to five years, it's going to be people suing for COVID-related issues or vaccines, things like that. So Credit repair. Mm -hmm. I always think that that's from people who got themselves into trouble leveraging too much. But yeah. can your credit be damaged in other ways? It, 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 there, I heard about this some years ago, and it's where banks and lending institutions share information. I forgot what it's called, but if, you've, if you just apply for an auto loan, that goes against your credit report. Yeah, Just it's a applying. Hard, a hard inquiry. There's there's certain things that classify as hard inquiries or soft inquiries. And if you do too many of them in a period of time or in a year, that will affect your credit score. So your credit score is really only of importance if you're trying to purchase you know, a large item and finance it. It's called universal default. Sounds, sounds like that would check the box. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are going into August, another week or so. August used to historically be a quiet month. Just asking your opinion, you think it's going to be an active month financially? 
Well, you know, oil recently pulled back. OPEC announced this week that they were increasing production. So you tend to have a pullback in oil come September as it's hitting its highest peak. Um, I don't think this past, you know, year and a half is really a good gauge. And it's going to be to be determined what our cycles look like. There's so many things that you could that you used to be able to say, you know, and, and history is not a, a guarantee of future performance, but they always say it tends to rhyme. So I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know if they keep printing and they keep monetizing the debt, then that's going to make that market have even more opportunity to levitate higher. And until they stop those things, there's really nowhere for money to go. So this is an equity utopia for investors and these policies that they're doing over and over and over again are are just helping the rich to become richer and they're pricing people out of the markets that they're supposedly trying to help is pge which is a utility in california is that a publicly traded thing in other words people can people buy stock in that or invest in it i don't know that one off the top of my head reason um, i ask is they're going to bury hundreds of thousands of miles of power lines now to avoid fires in the future yeah. and i always wonder when you have a company that is going to make that kind of an investment if investors look favorably upon it and then want to be a part of it because they've been proactive. Oh, for sure. Uh, PG&E, uh, weren't they the ones that had all the fires? Yeah. Okay, I don't I don't think that, I have to look into that one specifically, but I think they went bankrupt, didn't they? They did. Yeah, so uh, their stocks are probably worthless. They're not a, a utility company that I tend to favor, and it's sure. hard for utility companies. They're not exactly coming out with like the po the power grid 10. Yeah. You know, they got <laughs> they got a lot of limits to them. Facts <laughs> are 10,000 miles will be buried to reduce fire risk in Northern California, estimated cost $20 billion, reversing an earlier stance that doing so would be prohibitively expensive. Yeah, you think about all the, when you go up north, you've got power lines hanging everywhere. So, I yeah. mean, that can't be safe. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing, it's a very broad question, 365000 is now said to be the average price to purchase a home in this country. And what I'm wondering is, with all of these run-ups and prices and stuff like that, if the music stops, something stalls the economy, are a lot of people going to be left hanging in the process? Is it going to adversely affect a lot of potential deals, do you think? You know, I, I've said it before that even though real estate might look bubbly it's it's really not at this point um i i think a lot of the price inflation that has occurred is a good bit is here to stay so the issue is going to be can it continue its momentum moving forward because as earnings are coming out now and they're already projecting third quarter earnings to be higher than what they've expected the name of the game is going to be consistency moving forward and as supply chains start to loosen and you know, the price to build homes starts to become slightly more reasonable, at least that the items are available, then you're going to get a whole wave of, of houses that are going to be built. So right now, it's the same reason why used car prices are higher than new cars, because they can't build new cars, just like they can't build new houses. So I saw that 5.7% increase in new cars like 7.4% increase in used cars. Oh, I think it's much higher than that. I think okay. it's like a 40% increase from Ooh. last year. Oh, But wow. new cars are, are slightly higher. Yeah, it's actually cheaper in some senses to purchase a new car than a 
than okay. a used car. <laughs> yeah, and you also educated, and you educated me on something at the top of the hour. We wanted to share with the audience. You were saying that uh, China doesn't hold our paper like it did. It's Japan now. Yeah, def- definitely not like they used to. And you're you're right to be alarmed by the the speakings from Xi Jinping because it's he's he's very much out there saying some things that are a little Trump esque. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, you know, you can just see how they operate their country. I mean, it's their rallies are uniform lines and in, in the in the many. And so that's have you ever seen a United States rally like that? No, no. <laughs> People are on top of trucks. <laughs> so, I mean, they've they've certainly got um, they're they're certainly on a mission right now. And it's something that is is alarming. And you got to keep an eye out for it. Have you filled your event coming up or should we plug that? Oh, you can you can plug it. I haven't sent out any invites for it yet, but um, it's August 19th and it's how to find income in a low yield economy, which is pretty appropriate considering the 10 year treasury just dropped down to under 1.2 this week. Mm-hmm. So as uh, those rates fall, I think money markets are paying 0.10 and, you know, for CDs to get anything north of 1%, you got to put a pretty hefty deposit down at banks. So it's again it's that equity utopia people are looking to the stock market for a yield they're looking for it for income and there's a a couple of different avenues for investors to sort of understand how they can create income especially if they needed to survive and they were using their investment portfolios for quite some time and that you know strategic transferring of of growth to income and trying to be mindful of taxes and mindful of, of future tax rates and income is really important. So we're going to talk about that and talk about the future of the economy. And if you want to ask me those real specific questions that I normally can't answer on on the air, then, you know, we can talk about them in person. That's the 19th. Yeah, Thursday, August 19th it's at 1130 at Stonewood. So just call the office 386-846-0658 and you could talk to Kathy or Roe and they're happy to take your name and number and and get you on for that. Amanda Hayes is the president of AKH Financial at 1144A Pelican Pay Drive in Daytona Beach. And as she mentioned, 386-846-0658. Good job, Miss Amanda. And uh, we will see you next week. All right. My birthday is next week. So in case you want to get me in line for that Hunter Biden Oh, yeah. 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 Or if you want to get me a ticket. To Your the birthday's Dragon next Council. week and Andy's was today. Yeah. Mine's the 28th next week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll remember that. And um, eight four six. Well, real important. We'll put that one on the note. I'm telling you. eight four six zero six five eight, And of course, all of Amanda's uh, discussions on our website at markburningyourshow.com and also at the AKH Financial website as well. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.